Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. 51. <laughs> bit less exciting than 50. <laughs> oh, it's hard to get up every week <laughs> to do a podcast. Yeah. But we're going to do it. We're going to do a film review. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about this week, Matt? We are talking about the, uh, I think, a pretty timely film because uh, it's an election year in America this year. We're doing the campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. Ooh, sounds mm. exciting. I've got some cookies here, so even better. <laughs> Smooth segue. <laughs> I like films and food, and so yep. I'm going to eat food during the podcast. Yeah, yeah, mine do. <laughs> <laughs> it was your idea to save the cookies till later. <laughs> you said, "Well, Bill, do full if we eat the cookies now." Yeah, not specifically for during the podcast, but now later. <laughs> now the campaign, not a presidential campaign, no, a. Congressional campaign. Mm. So the premise of the film is you have Will Ferrell, who's mm. been in there for about five terms, and he always runs unopposed. Mm. He's got a pretty sweet deal. He just goes around, shakes a few hands, and uh, gets <laughs> the... Does a bit more than shake a few hands <laughs> on the campaign trail. <laughs> gets a few easy nominations, but uh, some of the big wigs in Washington decide, hmm, we need a new guy in here to help us uh, get some shady... Shady shenanigans pass through the uh, yeah. the house, mm-hmm. and they call in a ringer, a real ringer, in Zach Galifianakis, who plays Marty Huggins. So this is a pretty interesting setup. You've got these two famous comedians, but rather than a buddy comedy, they're going head to head. They're clashing. Yes, fighting against each other. Yeah, they're going against each other. Do we like these guys? You're a fan of Will Ferrell, Zach Galifianakis? Oh, the, the actors? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really do like them. Will Ferrell is quite often in movies that. Um, it's not beat around the bush. Aren't good, <laughs> right? Yeah, but he's a funny guy, and when he when he's in a good movie, it's really really funny. Like Anchorman, how good's that? Straight Stranger Than Fiction was actually a bit of a nice sort of dramatic role for him, mm. and it's good to see him do something political because uh, he was he's always done great George W. Bush impressions for Saturday Night Live. So it's sort of uh, cool to see him in one of these sort of political roles again with the southern accent and stuff. Yeah, I like Will Ferrell. It does seem like he's a little hit or miss, though. I think he's at the stage in his career. He's got enough money. He's got the uh, mm. the fame to where he can kind of just mess around. And some of his films are just him mucking around with his actor pals, his buddies. And some films like Talladega Nights and Semi Pro aren't the best films, but there's some laughs in them. Mm. But when he's on, he's on. There's things yeah. like Anchorman, a pretty classic. I'm pretty sure anyone our age has quoted that film to death. Stay classy, San Diego. It's <laughs> not a real Ron Burgundy voice, but anyway. <laughs> but I think this is the first time we've got to see him team up with Zach Galifianakis, mm. who really broke well, out. Well, no. Whoa. They uh, did phenomenal work together in an episode of Between Two Ferns. Zach Galifianakis' online talk show? Yeah. Pretty funny. You can check that out on YouTube, Between Two Ferns. But this is the first time we've got to see him on the big screen. And Zach Galifianakis obviously broke out with the, the hit The Hangover. Mm. Uh, we've also seen him on Bored to Death. Yeah, He too plays a bit of a character. We've seen Will Ferrell in this film kind of just does this George Bush impression. Is that? Do you think that's fair? Hmm. It's pretty similar. I think the voice is very George uh, Bushian and the sort of like intelligence is very George Bushian. But I guess there's a lot of a womanising element to the character that you didn't see in his George W. Bush impersonations. 
Like, his values are different. And it seems like Zach Galifianakis kind of has, like, two characters that he likes to play. He either yeah. just plays sort of the fictional version of Zach Galifianakis or this sort of effeminate southern brother of his, which mm. in the film's called Marty Huggins. Yeah, like, even in between two ferns, he plays a sort of Zach Galifianakis, sort of gruff, rough-around-the-edges sort of guy, other than one episode where he plays his twin brother who has a, is pretty much dead ringer for Marty Huggins. So this does seem like one of those films where perhaps just two guys gone together, buddies, and they go, hey, we've got some characters, let's just like mash them together in a movie campaign, mm. go against each other and just have fun for 85 minutes. And I, I think that that's a good uh, ingredient for a movie because Will Farrell's got a funny character there. Zach Galifianakis has got a funny character there. Put him in a congressional race against each other. It's sort of fun. You pick a side. You see some funny political stuff. It's an election year. Sounds like a good combination for a movie to me. So let's get into the plot. Let's talk a bit about the film, where they take yeah. these characters mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how that works out for them. Yes. There isn't much of a plot. No. Well, you've got you've got the two rich brothers that are wanting to influence this, this race. They need this, this congressional seat. This might be the swing vote, so they need they need the person they want in there. Uh, they they are played by Dan Aykroyd and John Lithgow. Great to see them back on uh back on the big screen. What I saw the, the, the first thing I thought was like Matt's gonna love this. Like yeah. Dan Aykroyd yeah, loves the so. Blues Brothers, John Those Lithgow, yeah. the second greatest TV villain <laughs> in the last twelve years after yeah. President Charles Logan. Yes, um, no, very exciting. It, it looked. It adds a bit of class to the the film. I think they've got four Oscar nominations between them, those two actors. Mm. Here's what I don't get about this. They need someone in the tank for them in this election. Now, they need to go to Marty Huggins because Will Farrell's character is so principled and so stand-up that he would never agree to their proposal. It seems like it just would have been easier to stick with choose Will Farrell from the start. It kind of negates the point of the film, them going to this Marty Huggins, who seems like a pretty sort of principal guy, when yeah. you probably could have just got a... Uh, uh, it's because he was, like, losing his popularity, I guess. But he was still was going to win the election because he no was going to run unopposed. Yeah. Yeah, like, it seems like the whole premise of this film is a bit flawed. Because they probably could have just gone to Will Ferrell, given him heaps of money, and he would have done what they wanted him to do. And they would have saved money because the amount of money they invest into this campaign is ridiculous. You'd feel like in a film that really only has two or three plot points, they should probably be rather uh, yeah. watertight. Just mm. plug up those uh, plot holes in your two yeah. or three plot filmed film. Yeah. Well, it seemed to me like the point of the film was basically for there to be a loose thread, a vehicle through which these two characters could do some sketches. Mm. Basically... The film is just filled with set pieces because you know there's going to be the election and someone's going to win at the end. There's only so much of an arc there mm. throughout the film. So in order to get you to that conclusion, you either need a lot of twists and turns, which they didn't really do, no. or you just fill it with funny bits. Yeah, And they kind of did this. You had the very clear set pieces like the kids at the table confessing to the bad things they'd done. That was one of the funniest scenes in the movie, I think. You know they probably filmed about 40 or 50 of those. Yeah. You just had the writers just yeah, rattling yeah. off all these weird, gross things yeah. that the kids could have done. And yeah. You can expect that to be on the uh, the DVD extras, I, yeah. I would assume. Mm. You have the campaign ads. 
mm. trying to bash Marty Huggins. You saw a couple yeah. of those, which are just over the top and ridiculous, yeah. but clear set pieces. You probably would see in a show like Saturday Night Live. Very, yeah. very sketchy humor. Mm. There's the like baby punching scene. Yeah, in the film we see a baby get punched in the face. Uggy, Hollywood's mm. favorite acting yeah. dog. <laughs> Punched in the face. Yeah. Do you think these are the worst things you could punch in the face? If you were running uh, in a congressional election, what would be the things that you would least want to punch in the face on camera? Yeah, good question. I think definitely a baby. (laughs) Like, I think baby's definitely the top thing. They're vulnerable, they're cute, they're never done anything wrong babies. So maybe rather than a dog... Like, I'm thinking maybe kid in a wheelchair. They could have taken a leaf out of uh, 21 Jump Street's book. Uh, one of my favourite lines in that was when the principal gets upset with Channing Tatum after an altercation he has uh, when he first goes to school. He's like, if you punch one more small black gay kid in the face, I'm going to lose yeah, my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which that scene in 21 Jump Street was a lot funnier than the punching scenes in the campaign. Yeah, I would agree with that, the way that was set up. And I guess we saw it in the trailer as well. Mm. Something that a few films have been doing recently, uh, having jokes in the trailer that are funny, but then when you see them in the film, they're actually different. Yeah. There's actually like a follow-up or the jokes actually escalated. Mm. So it's not we're just watching the same thing. It's actually even funnier when you finally get to see the film, which they did in with two or three circumstances in 21 Jump Street, which is really good. There was, there was actually an example of that in the campaign. Mm. One of my friends saw the trailer and they said, oh, I just like that bit where uh, he shot him in the leg with the crossbow. I oh, want to see yes. how that happens. Yes. Yeah. And how that actually plays out in the actual film is is pretty funny. And there isn't really an explanation for it as well. There's no crossbow in the film, though. Yeah. <laughs> They've replaced it for a less funny weapon. Do different weapons have, like, a, a level of humour attached to them? What would you say is the funniest weapon you could shoot someone with? Crossbows are pretty funny because you got the arrow then sticking out. Like, you got, like, <laughs> the arrow sticking out and it's just a elaborate um, weapon too. Like, who has a crossbow just lying around? I liked in Kick-Ass when there's this huge shootout going on and then Mark Strong's uh, bodyguard just walks through with a bazooka. Yeah. Mark Strong just looks at him and he's like, is that a bazooka? Bazooka's a funny weapon. Bazooka's a funny <laughs> Yeah. Do you reckon Zach Galifianakis should have shot him with a bazooka? Um, <laughs> it would have been pretty funny. Like, he would have had to uh, go the rest of the film without a leg. So maybe, maybe plot-wise, he couldn't go the bazooka. But uh, never show a funnier weapon in the trailer than you use in the movie. <laughs> this film is one that is not... Like, it's meant to be a political satire, right? A satire on the political system. Yeah, I suppose so, or at least the politicians, how they talk in roundabout yeah. ways, don't really get mm. to the issues, that kind of thing. But I feel like a lot of this film is just so unbelievable, like, just so not reflective of politics. Perhaps the film was meant to satirise the public as much as it was the politicians. Mm. Yeah. But it's our fault for getting these politicians, because yeah. we're the ones that voted for them. Yeah. But there's no way that the public would vote for someone. Who did that in a campaign ad? That's one of my problems with the film. It's just like, I didn't get what they were trying to say. Are they trying to say, see, people are so immoral, they'll vote for someone who does horrible things. But that's not really true. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yeah, I think the film didn't want to be 
too preachy. No. But at the same time, it didn't end up saying anything at all. Mm. It just had these sort of set pieces that were there for the purpose of comedy as opposed to adding to a complete storyline or message, mm. a through line for the film. Yeah. Every now and then I think they hit the mark, though. There's the scene with the Rainbow Land book, <laughs> and I thought that was really funny how it showed, like, it over-highlighted something, getting something that Will Ferrell wrote when he was eight years old and using that to slander him. And you do see that happen in politics where, you know, you'll get a paper that was written by a candidate in college with a slightly controversial opinion and they'll twist it and then all of a sudden you've got the people calling the person a socialist and things like that. I thought that was an over-exaggeration but did reflect the way politics works. Like, I liked that. When the guy in the audience calls out, I don't want to live in Rainbow Land! Like, I just thought, that was just really funny. So it did hit the mark a couple of times. So if we thought the plot was a little thin, a little weak, did we think it was funny enough to carry us through the film? Or did we want more? I wanted more. I wanted a lot more. I thought it started out pretty poorly. Mm. Like, I got the setup, but I was like, there's no real laughs. Especially when we're being introduced to the characters. Mm. That's when we should be able to see their funny quirks and things right away. So we get mm. to know them and get some laughs out of it. Yeah. But I f- felt like the first sort of 10 or 15 minutes were pretty flat. Mm. Then when we got into those scenes, like the kids around the table and that, I thought that was that was quite funny. I was enjoying the film. Mm. And then as it kind of went through the the third act and as getting the resolution and the, what we were supposed to learn and who wins the election. There weren't really any more jokes. No. It's not so much that they weren't landing, like a few of them didn't, but mm. they just kind of went away for maybe a good 25 minutes. Mm. And if your film is only 85 minutes, that's pretty bare bones. That should yeah. be all quality yeah. stuff that's making mm. the final cut. Yeah. And I really mm. only thought the middle third of the film was very funny. Yeah, I, I didn't find the jokes that funny. Like... I, not many of them landed. It was fairly uneven, and I felt like the film was a little over the place. And I think that was down to the writing. I think the characters have the potential to be funny. I think the actors deliver the lines well. They work yeah. well off each other. Mm. They're quite charismatic yeah. and entertaining. Yeah. But the jokes just weren't there. Mm. The script really let the film down. We we love the show Veep, right? Yeah. We love that show. That's a political satire show, too. The thing that makes Veep funny, or one of the things that makes Veep funny as a political show, is you see the behind-the-scenes talking has swearing, rude stuff, like really irreverent sort of behaviours and things like that. But then when they go up behind the podium and speak to the press or speak to the people, you see the facade. You see different people. Uh, You see... Uh, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus crying and t- being touching, and you see behind the scenes talking about how she fakes that to get folks <laughs> or something like that. Whereas this movie, you didn't see different people when they were speaking to the press or the public than you did when they were in private. Like, you saw them punching each other and fighting and being really weird and awkward and offensive and sexist to the public and to the press. And I think, like, one of the big comedic things about politics is that you have the two different people. I think that really hurt this film. Like, if we'd seen a bit more of the the behind-the-scenes offensive stuff, and then you saw the polished politician up there, or the politician that might make a mistake and then come back and go, what the F was I doing there? Like, I think that would have made a much funnier film. Mm. Dan Aykroyd, John Lithgow, Jason Sudeikis, these are all 
good actors that, that they have. So, yeah, I think it was the writing and directing here. I was quite disappointed in Dan Aykroyd and John Lithgow. I didn't think they really produced much comedy at all. They had some lines that really bombed, especially in the second half. Like yeah. some cringeworthy, yeah. cringeworthy jokes from them. Was that writing, though? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not blaming them. Yeah. Well, now, uh, one of our favourite segments. What has blank taught us? This week, it's what has the campaign taught us. Jonathan, what has the campaign taught you? Well, Matt, the campaign has taught me that touching myself to Drew Carey during The Price is Right is an option. That is not something I considered doing before yeah. uh, before watching the campaign. Mm. But the next time I watch uh, The American Price is Right, could be a different viewing experience <laughs> for me. Okay. What I've learnt from this podcast, don't watch The Price is Right with Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Just something for the listeners to try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, what has the campaign taught you? Nothing. I don't know anything <laughs> from this movie. <laughs> wow, I, uh, what has Blank taught us first? <laughs> well, even if the film didn't teach you anything, it did get us thinking. Yes. It did get us talking mm. about what would we do if we were running a campaign. Yeah, what would you do if you were running a campaign, Jonathan? Have you ever run a campaign before? I ran an online campaign to Ooh. be the president of a message board Ooh. in which I was victorious Yeah, and actually gave a, um, a commencement speech, a, a, a video to the... Uh, the Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Borrowed my dad's suit and everything to oh, do the... Uh, oh my gosh. the video. So <laughs> I guess I'm one for one in uh, what? Okay, campaign so- runs. I've never run an online campaign before. What sort of stuff did you need to do to run this online campaign? Well, there weren't really any issues or any responsibilities that you'd get with the position. It was basically who could come up with the funniest campaign posters. What was it? Okay, well, yeah, yeah, tell us what did your campaign poster say? I think I mostly just ripped off Arrested Development quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you're running uh, for, a, for a political office, not a message board. <laughs> what would your strategy be? Let's say we're both running. How? What would our strategy be? So it's a screen verdict team. Yeah. <laughs> the screen verdict party. Yeah, we're the screen verdict party. We're a two-member package. Yeah. So we're both on the Senate ballot together. Like, what do we do? Well, I was going to say that we hire uh, Leo from the West Wing to be our campaign <laughs> manager. <laughs> yeah. It could be an honorary... Honorary member, member of the, of the campaign team. team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People like getting stuff, right? Yeah, I like stuff. Yeah, we should have a proposal to give people stuff. <laughs> buy votes. No, <laughs> no, it's not buy. No, no, like, if you remember, it will buy you, like, a DVD box set of The Shield. Like, it'll be, like, some some government program that, like, gives people money. But I'd prefer a DVD box set of The Shield. Yeah, but, like, that won't fly. But um, now that you've said that, that's sort of what I want, and I can't really unthink it. Okay, what about this? Give every school funding to buy Blu-rays. Kids should not watch educational material in standard definition. <laughs> yeah. We could start a war on standard definition. Because, look, books are good, but they're a bit on the way out. Right? <laughs> Technology changes, it moves along, 
and now it seems like the art form of today that is probably most culturally significant is television. You know, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Arrested Development. These are saying more about sort of society today probably than than books and things. Maybe those kids in The Wire would be learning more about life if they were watching DVDs of The Wire. Yes. Yeah. Would we go negative? Yeah, I think we've got to try and bang all our opponents' wives. Okay, maybe not that. But, like... (laughs) (laughs) Our opponent thinks bad things about your family. (laughs) Would we do that? What... (laughs) What's the video backdrop to that? How do you show what someone's thinking? <laughs> just, a, just a picture of them posing. And you're like, oh, they're definitely thinking bad thoughts in their brain about all your families. Yeah. <laughs> we spoke to these psychologists about what... <laughs> Could he be thinking about bad things about your families? Why, yes, it's certainly possible. <laughs> you had it. Medical experts agree. <laughs> I think that could be the go I think some, like, stunt would be good too. Like, let's walk on down to Canberra and invite people to walk on down to Canberra with us. Like, not from Sydney. Like, we wouldn't really walk. No, we'd like... It's like more of a metaphorical... Like, we'd be taking a limo, right? (laughs) Well, I think maybe, like, get the limo... We stop about, like, a K outside Canberra. Yeah, I think maybe the War Memorial and just walk (laughs) down the, the road there to the apartment house. We get people to meet us. They follow us. We We come with the people... And we, like, get to the front of Canberra and we, like, shout something inspirational. I like how our political campaign idea is pretty much the same as our zombie survival strategy. <laughs> we see some people we like, get a like, limo or a bus or something, just drive on down. <laughs> we'll have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could res- run on zombie survival. Yeah. Like, what are you politicians doing to prepare us for the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> We've got a bus. We've got a bus. <laughs> the zombie bus. <laughs> We're gonna uh, go to Canberra and clean up the mess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. You know, I ran uh, for school captain, or in America, that would be the student body president. So you have some experience in this field, man. Yeah. And I was, I, I thought, you know what? I think a speech would help me. So what I did was I asked each of my teachers if I could do a speech in that specific class because in class with different students. So if I did a speech in each of my classes, that pretty much uh, meant I'd hit up most of the year group. So I did it. They went over very well, got big claps and laughs at the end of the speech. I had the, the tagline at the end, I was doing one where I had a sort of a card metaphor. I'm going to be a jack of all trades and the queen of commitment. The queen of commitment (laughs) and the king of compassion and an ace in, I don't know, some other wood thing. And that's a royal flush in my book. And that didn't go over very well. Like, people were like, what the F is this? (laughs) And then I was like, then I ended it with, and when you get me as your school captain, you're going to get no bull. No bull from me. Vote no bull for noble. And people... 
that I won them round and they all clapped and I got a standing ovation and stuff. So I, I scrapped the card bit of the speech for the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the ones. During that card bit, I definitely would have been the kid that's like, and what are you the 10 of? You know, you need a 10 <laughs> for a Royal Flush, right? <laughs> you said you wouldn't lie to us, man. <laughs> so yeah. So I've got some bit of experience with campaigning. Yeah, you didn't say how it went, man. <laughs> you didn't give us the outcome. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I didn't win. <laughs> now, we've talked about how we'd run a campaign together. But uh, now we're going to, I think, uh, play a little game. We're going to take each other on politically to see... Because if we're both running together, one of us needs to be top of the ticket. <laughs> right? One of us needs to be presidential candidate. Someone needs to be vice presidential candidate. So we thought we'd have a bit of a debate to decide who would be the best screen verdict representative. Welcome to the Screen Verdict Debates between Jonathan Cook and Matt Noble. Okay. Okay, by virtue of a coin toss, uh, I have been uh, chosen to start off the debate, and that's very good because I probably, between the both of us, have the most care and compassion for the listeners of the Screen Verdict podcast and value their opinions more highly than the man sitting right next to me. Um, over the course of the past year, uh, this, this man next to me has shown disdain for the opinions of many, um, just to name a few of his crazy uh, ideas. Uh, he gave uh, Batman The Dark Knight Rises a fail score, he thought Jazz from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was one of the 20th greatest sitcom characters of the past 20 years. Appalling. And is that the kind of person you want representing you at the top of the screen verdict ticket? In rebuttal to my opponent, I would like to suggest that the listeners want someone with opinions and character and is prepared to stand up for what he believes in. The people need jazz to be represented in their top 20 greatest sitcom characters of all time list. If you want someone that's just going to give every single movie, every single TV series a 7 out of 10, then Matt's your man. But if you really want to know whether a film is good or bad or worth your time or somewhere in between, you want someone that's going to give a range of scores and stand by his opinion. And that man is Jonathan Cook. Firstly, George Costanza thought that 7 was a great name for a baby. I don't know why Seven wouldn't be a great score for a film or a TV show. <laughs> Jonathan gave Twilight, the Breaking Dawn Part 1, a higher score than me, um, and I think that speaks volumes to his character as a human being. I also think that the Screen Verdict listeners want someone that's going to stick around, that's going to be there for the whole term, perhaps a whole life of podcasting. Mm. Will Matt Noble be there? I suggest that I will live much longer than Matt Noble, he lives on a diet of nothing but McDonald's. He himself could not make it through this podcast alone without eating Subway cookies. He did not have the discipline to wait to the end of the podcast to eat said cookies. People, I will wait to eat those cookies. I will wait for you, Screen Verdict listeners. People like, like the sound of me speaking with something in my mouth. I'm giving the people what they want. I'm appalled at the negative tenor this debate has taken <laughs> due to the uh, 
slander and disrespect the man next to me is saying, get out of the gutter, Jonathan <laughs> Cook. Run on ideas. Run on principles. Run on positives, not negatives. It's very easy to tear the person sitting next to you down. It's a much harder thing to build your supporters up, to build up ideas, to build up principles. And I'm just appalled at how much of a horrible person you are by using negative attacks to slander me. That's not what you're getting from me, listeners. From me, you're getting ideas. You're getting a vision. You're getting a... A, a, a look into tomorrow and that tomorrow says yes that tomorrow says Matt Noble for the top of the screen verdict ticket and I'll give you stuff I'll send you presents I'll send you prizes of the two candidates here today only one of us owns a credit card if you want to receive a prize from the screen verdict podcast it is I Jonathan <laughs> that will be sending it to you a vote for me is a vote for free comic books free Game of Thrones novels Free baseballs. I will give you stuff. But what is stuff? <laughs> is it material possessions? They get shipped to you that you can hold, that you can watch, that you can read. Yes, that is what stuff is. <laughs> but I can give you opinions and views and ideas, and values. And will you trade in all the stuff you own for that? Maybe not. But you're not, I'm not asking you to trade in all your stuff for that. You can keep all the stuff you own. Will Jonathan take away all the stuff you own? I don't know. He hasn't commented on that at all. Maybe he would. And until he gets an ironclad promise from him that he won't ever take any of your stuff, I'd assume that he would. Well, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. And I think it's time to move on to our closing statements. Mm. In order to finish this debate, mm. I'd just like to say, a vote for me is a vote for the troops. It's a vote for Ryan Gosling, and it's a vote for free stuff. You might not be able to see this if you're listening to the podcast, but at the moment, uh, Jonathan has broken out into tears. He clearly doesn't have the backbone to represent the screen verdict listeners. Um, you can probably hear him <laughs> sniffling away <laughs> right now. Uh, so, <laughs> just settle down, Jonathan. Come on, it's just a debate, buddy. I'm not going to say anything negative about Jonathan. He's a good friend of mine. He's a stand-up guy. He's great to have on the podcast. But he's really got no leadership skills whatsoever, whereas I do. A vote for me is a vote for the Muppets is a vote against Twilight and a vote for the future. Matt Noble. Boy, <laughs> that got a little out of hand. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to make the drive home awkward. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, so weigh in. Let us know who you thought one on the screen verdict fan page. Um, Should we do a poll? Yeah, let's do a poll. <laughs> Who won the debate? <laughs> no more drawn than Cook. Should we give a vert? I'm going to have a, my last cookie now. Um, let's, let's give this, this uh, the campaign a verdict now. Jonathan, what do you want to give it? The campaign. It was short. Mm. It tried to adhere to the return of Jafar principle. And this is something I can admire mm. in a film. 
But did it live up to the quality mm. of Return of Jafar? Mm. Unfortunately, no. Mm. I think we have two good actors, two good characters in a thin story with some good set pieces, a couple of really funny jokes, but just not enough comedy. I'm going to say it's perhaps just about worth your time if you like that style of humour, you like these guys. I'm going to give it 6 out of 10. There's some things to like out this film. Will Ferrell, Zach Galifianakis, a few of the jokes. That's it. Everything else is is bad. Like, most of the jokes fall flat. It doesn't say anything. Um, it sort of seems like it might be trying to say something about campaign finance or something, but it just doesn't. And the plot just doesn't make any sense. Like, why they need to have this campaign. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 10. Ooh. So now a quick look into our housekeeping segment. A very quick look, I would imagine. <laughs> well, uh, you could uh, like us on the Facebook fan page, which you'll need to uh, get on top of if you want to vote for that debate, uh, who won the debate. Mm. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. So you can just subscribe to Screenberg on iTunes, and then they'll just download uh, onto your thing. And uh, get excited, because... This is not our last ever podcast. We've got more ones coming up. <laughs> so, stay tuned. We're enjoying a couple of TV shows, MTV, Video Music Awards, maybe another movie or two coming up. Very exciting. Yeah, we've done the rounds now. It's been a year, so if you've mm. been looking forward to some of our classic podcasts, mm. like our Emmys uh, look, yep. that'll be coming up soon. Mm. So, stay tuned, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll yep. see you next week. Goodbye.